0: Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show.
1: You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
0: Hour number two of Fantasy Sports today is here. Lots of baseball to discuss in this hour, including some of the overrated and underrated players in fantasy baseball for this year. Also, we hit on some baseball win totals as Fantasy Sports Today Hour 2 starts now. Fantasy
1: Sports Today.
0: And welcome back. This is our number two of fantasy sports today. Craig Mish, along with Joe Pisapia, with you here on the show. We got Sean Guastamacchia producing the program coming up. Overrated, underrated in fantasy baseball. And we had Lorenzo Kane on the show earlier, just in case you want to go back and listen on demand. Hit that rewind button and make sure you subscribe to the show. Whether you listen on iTunes or Android or Google, anywhere where your podcasts are heard, you can certainly hear us. Let's uh, dive back into some of the baseball win totals. We've been doing these sporadically over the last week. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the ones in Las Vegas are coming out in a couple of days, so we'll look forward to talking about those and see the differences between the ones that we're viewing here on Points Bet as opposed to the ones that are actually in Vegas. Where we left you uh, yesterday was with the two New York teams, so let's touch on them real quick, Joe, and start off with the New York Mets. Their win total is 86 and a half. Uh, you know, after a very dismal start to the season last year, they came on and played like the Mets, who we thought they would be at the end of the year. They added some pitching, clearly, they lost some pitching, clearly, and they picked up an addition in Dillon Betances in the bullpen that has a potential to be pretty formidable in the 7th, 8th, and ninth. if Betances, Familia, and Diaz can get their act together, combined with a pretty deep starting rotation, which may not be the strongest, but is certainly, according to their general manager, one of the deepest in baseball. 86.5 is their win total for the year.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go over, not by much, but A186 games last year with a putrid bullpen performance and uh, with that bad first half of the season, as you said, I know they lost Zach Wheeler, but in the end, I don't, I feel like Stroman's going to keep them competitive. And the fact that they had a Porcello to the back end of this rotation, I thought was from a dirty durability standpoint, very important because that bullpen got taxed quite a bit with some of those very short starts that Jason Vargas made early in the year. So I, I look at this team and I still think that they need a little bit more, but you look at the lineup, it's pretty good. You look at the rotation it's pretty deep. And you mentioned the guys in the you know seven eight nine part of the bullpen, but some of those guys in the middle, like Zelman and Lugo, had very good seasons as well. They maybe got a little overused. So the Batanzas addition is very important here because it gives you a little insurance policy, a closer too. I actually think they're slightly better than this. I, I really do. This is a great division. I think it's the best division in baseball. It's going to be the most competitive. It's bad news for the Marlins because they've got four teams ahead of them that are very competitive and have much better pitching than they do. But I I actually, and this is, again, coming from me, the loser fan who's always going to be miserable about his own team. I'm typically miserable, but I don't see how they're flat year over year because I actually think they've addressed some of the issues. But they can't lose, let's say, McNeil to a big injury for an extended period. They can't lose. They can't lose Alonzo for sure. So it's like every team. You got to stay healthy. But I'm a little still a little concerned that the offense is just a little light. But other than that, I actually think they'll be competitive. Feels
0: like a, a team that could be. Um, I'll pass it, but it does. Like an 89
1: win team. It, I think it, they're right it around there, It could
0: be, but it's the Mets, so you know. i, <laughs> oh, I don't always factor that in. And and I don't think that losing Wheeler and then you know getting Michael Walker and, and improving the bullpen is a huge deal. I think that and Porcello. I, I think that those two do equal one. So um, I kind of agree with you. A lot of people won't. No, but, I do. But Wheeler was
1: not. I mean, Wheeler's not Patrick Corbin.
0: He's, he's very good, <laughs> but but. He's very good. Would it good shock sometimes. me if Rick Porcello ended up having an okay year? Would it shock me if Michael Waka made 21
1: starts and then he already would it shock you three? if Strowman was good too? It wouldn't. Strowman, you know, Strowman's. Yeah, a I'm not in on pitcher. him ever, but uh, yeah, he's but. a com- he's a competitor. I think that's what I like about him. And I feel like that style of play in New York really got uh, fans love that, and they they are going to get up for that. Like the fist-pumping, energetic guy, the athlete guy, they love that. And that's something that might get lost in some other spots, but it's not lost in the New York crowd. And there, it's a it's a very different animal there. It's a very different beast. So I I think Strowman and Porcello, I think together kind of equal whatever you lost in Wheeler and Waka. Who knows what you're going to get out of him? But I think a really smart signing for basically nothing. I mean, they got him for what two million dollars? Pretty, much, million. Nothing.
0: Yep, pretty much nothing. Yeah, that's crazy. All right. The Yankees total is one a one and a half. By the way, Houston, <laughs> Houston's got pulled off the board, by the way, after yesterday. Oh, is- did it?
1: Oh, I didn't even think course, about yeah, that.
0: It has to. For now, it has to. Uh, uh, the Yankees is one a one and a half. The natural gravitation will be to just take the over here. Uh, my opinion will be of the over. But as I discussed on yesterday's show, when it comes to the ones that are really high and the ones that are really low, uh, you know, anything can happen that can really shift. Uh, this and one significant injury to the Yankees, although they did have a lot of significant injuries last year and they still ended up having a yeah, hundred
1: three wins with all those injuries. Last yeah, year. I, I would predict
0: over, but it's not it's not one that I would bet. But my opinion would be clearly given the nature of what they did in the offseason, what's about to probably happen to the Red Sox, too. I mean, it's not going to be pretty.
1: I'll, I'll go over one one and a half just for this. Mm, I would go over, two, And this would have to be catastrophic for them not to get there. Glaber Torres has really emerged last year when there was no Stanton and when there was no judge. Torres was that guy. He was that middle of the order presence. And I was so impressed with him, not just the at-bats, but the way he delivered in big spots there. And uh, I know Rochelle really stepped up in the void too. He had a nice year. But if you imagine a season where you get Stanton, you get a whole season of Judge, you get a whole season of Garrett Cole at the top of that rotation. You get a whole season of Severino. Think about all the things that they didn't have last year that they yeah, have this year. Yeah, yeah. And, and a lot of, you know, the danger is like the Phillies were dangerous over last year because whenever you add a lot of new pieces to a team, It takes time for personalities to gel. It takes time for guys to figure it out. You have a big guy like Harper come in. He presses too much because of the big contract. You're not adding new pieces except for Cole. You're adding the same pieces, just healthy. So, this is not a new team. This is not an assembled bunch of mercenaries. This is a a bunch of mercenaries that's played together for a while. So, I don't see how they're not an over. Just if you're giving me a full season of Severino and Cole at the top of that rotation, along with those two big bats in there for, look, even if you have them both for 145 games, let's say Stanton always gets his. I.L. stint because at Stanton, I I mean, geez, correct that this is this team is loaded. Now, whether or not they win the World Series, I don't know. But in terms of winning this division, it's hard not to think they're going to win over 100 games. Uh,
0: Oakland, uh, we move on to the A's. Their total is 90 and a half. Naturally, people feel the Astros will get hurt. Maybe this number gets pushed up a little bit. I'm done going against Oakland um, pretty much. I mean, every year it's they can't do it again. And every year they do it again every year. So I'm going to go over here um, blindly. Probably not the smart thing to do. But the A's proved me wrong too many years in a row, like Tampa, in the same sort of vein. Um, uh, Oakland's good enough for me with the young pitching and hitting that they have. And once every like eight or nine years, Oakland disappoints. and They only win 60 or 70. And every other year, they're competitive. Um, I, I don't think I'll, you know, the Angels to me, eh, even with what they got, I'm not sure that they go over. Seattle's not a good team. Uh, it's doable for me. I'm going over ninety and a half.
1: They won 97 last year with that pitching staff. Yeah, they're going over. I mean, it's over. It's definitely over right now. You got fires. You got uh, Montas. You got Lazardo and Puck. Let's see what you get out of those guys. You got Mania for let's hope for twenty eight, thirty starts, something like that. I mean, I just don't see how the middle of this order is really good. You had an incredible year from Simeon. You have power in the middle of this order with uh, Chapman and Olsen, who I'm very high on Olsen. I I loved him going to last year. I remember people dropped him last year when they had that injury. I was like, what are you doing? What are you nuts? This guy's 30 home runs just in the bank. Just be patient. But nobody wants to be patient anymore. Chris Davis had a down year after being Mr. Consistency. So I would expect to bounce back from him as long as he's healthy. Man, how do you not think this team goes over 90? This might be the easiest one on the board for me. And I'm like you. I always kind of say Oakland, but. I don't know, man, this division, I'm not sold on the angels either. The Mariners are terrible. The Rangers are competitive, but I find it hard to think they're better than 500 team, which means the A's are going to be around 90 again. I think they can do it. Yeah, no,
0: I, I agree. It's, it seems like that's a good one there. Uh, okay. We'll, uh, we'll stop here uh, on Philadelphia. Their total is 85 and a half. They brought in Joe Girardi, you know, immediately that's worth a win winner The guys, a good manager on the field. No question about that. Uh, they added Zach Wheeler. Um, great hitting team as you mentioned i think that that's a good comment it, it takes a year or two to get used to all the moving pieces that are there every single thing that could have went wrong in their bullpen and even their starting pitching went wrong last year I mean, just go bullpen player by bullpen player uh, who's going to pitch the seventh tommy hunter out for the year who's going to pitch the eighth Nischek out for the year who's going to pitch the eighth Sir Anthony dominguez out for the year who's going to pitch the ninth robertson out for the year i i don't even know how they won the games that they won last year too many injuries I think they pull it together. I think they went over 85 and a half games. I think the vision is just better. And every team in this is, is going to probably win more. I like them.
1: Yeah. You know what? I, I look at this too, and uh, this is the push for me because this is the one where I, I think it's spot on. 85 okay. is right on the money for Take me. Pass it. it's fine. I would pass this one. They won 81 games last year with all of those issues. <clears throat> I do think Girardi is a good manager. I still say that people forget how livid they were in every postseason when he would make these wackadoo decisions there. So I mean, absence makes the heart grow fonder with Joe Girardi. But at the same time, they are a good team. I think year two of this group together, a healthy Andrew McCutcheon, too, is a big leadership guy. They've got a lot of good winning personalities on this team now, and I think that's the difference. And I do think the Braves come back to the pack a little bit, and that's what I mean. I mean you could win 92 games and possibly win this division because it's going to be so competitive. Like it, it could be, This could be playoff baseball in September in this division. i got to yeah. see how the schedule maps out for these teams. But my goodness, like I, you're going to see Mets Philly series and the Nats Braves series in the same weekend, maybe. And you're going to go, oh, my God, this is incredible. Who's going to win this out? And I look at the Phillies, the addition of Wheeler's huge. I still think the back of this rotation, what you're going to get out of those guys is questionable. They do have some young guys. I know Welsh and I are going to talk about one of them who might make an impact a little later in the show here uh, from Arizona Fall League. But uh, I think that the Phillies are right at that 85.
0: All right, uh, quick timeout. Do not go anywhere. Joe and I uh, will be right back. We've got some overrated and underrated players in fantasy baseball in the season and some discussion about the XFL. Spend some time on that, too. Don't go away.
2: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. (laughs) SportsGrid.com. Fantasy
1: Sports Today.
3: And I like football. And I'm going to keep doing them both because they make me feel good.
1: All right, welcome back, everybody. Fantasy Sports Today. Joe Pizapia here. Craig Mitch steps away for a while. Gives me the floor because it's that time of year where everybody's looking at ADP. Everybody's trying to figure out what's going on, who the overrated and underrated players are for Fantasy Baseball Season 2020. And of course, we are also at this stage too where the Fantasy Black Book is available out on Amazon right now. And every year in the Black Book, which is my uh, my love, it is my, my labor of love. It's what I put out there every year for baseball, football. We've got hockey and NBA actually coming this year. But baseball was always first and foremost. And uh, as every year we do, we like to put out there the most over and underrated in terms of those players that you're looking at in ADP, Also, the performances that they had last year into this year and how things carry over and dope. So let's start with some of the overrated. So I set my team and myself together, and every year we come up with a list of players at each position that we think are going to be overrated going into the previous, uh, from the previous season into the current one. And the most popular catcher, we'll start with catcher, on this list was Mitch Garver. Now, I was a Mitch Garver owner. I'm going to make no bones about that. I got lucky. I usually punt on catchers. Everybody knows, who knows me, knows that I can't stand catchers, but I punt on catcher, and I had a lot of Mitch Garver shares because I said, eh, eh whatever, maybe he'll hit a little bit, and I can just kind of get by. Well, guess what? He hit a lot of it. The problem was, how many games is he going to play? The problem is, in 2020, what's the situation? Because his fly ball rate was so high. A lot of deep stats on Mitch Garver are basically not sustainable. Can Mitch Garver be good? Sure, of course he can. The problem is... Are we going to have a 468 Wolba against left-handed pitching again? Probably not. And that's the difference. Now, the other guy on this list of the catchers is Travis Darno, another guy that I think had a nice run with the Rays last year. A lot of people remember him from the Mets days where he was going to be a thing and never was. And then he hit with the Rays for a couple months, and everybody thinks now that he's an Atlanta Brave that things are going to be better. Guess what? Not necessarily better, okay? Because history teaches us one thing about Travis Darno: It is that he never, ever stays on the field long enough for you to find out if he's any good. Now, first base, a couple different people here on this list made it from the team. Uh, Pete Alonso was very popular, not because people don't like Pete Alonso, just because the guy hit 50 something home runs. I mean, geez, that is incredible start to the year And because he's a big market player. There's a chance that he probably gets overrated in a lot of drafts, especially drafts around the tri-state area or even drafts where people tend to value young players. And he's probably not going to repeat. The other popular name here in the overrated first base column is Josh Bell. Josh Bell, another guy that you look at and you go, wow, the stats are there. But as I said yesterday, he had a great May 12 home runs, hit 390 with a 1200 OPS. Outside of that, not great. Only at 224 against lefties with a 761 OPS and a 233 batting average with a 780 OPS uh, as far as outside of that in the second half. So great first half propped up by a huge May. Second half, 233, 780. That's not a player that I like in a top 100, which is where he's going right now in ADP. So stay away. Uh, In terms of second base, this one was all over. A lot of people don't want to pay for Jonathan VR because people think that he's being a little overrated because he bounced back and had a good year. And now he's out of Baltimore and in Miami. And not that Baltimore is a great offensive team, but it's a good offensive ballpark. Uh, Altuve shows up on this list and DJ LeMahieu. Now I like LeMahieu in terms of the top of the order. But I'm just concerned, again, because he's a Yankee, that his cost could get inflated. And we'll see what happens with that as time goes on. That's a real concern for me. But I think VR is another intriguing one in terms of being overrated, because how much are guys willing to overpay, or gals in your league for that matter, to overpay for someone who has that stolen base tool? Steals are down. We all know steals are down. The question becomes, do we want to overpay? For those stolen bases. Now I say no. And the reason why is because there's not a lot of guys out there still in 50, 60, 70 stolen bases. That doesn't exist anymore. So if that doesn't exist anymore, why are we chasing it? It's not that hard to get a couple guys in your team who could steal 15, 20. And all of a sudden you could at least be competitive. You might not win stolen bases, but if you're going to pass on the big time power guys for guys like VR instead who have moderate power and a high stolen base potential, kind of like the Trey Turners of the world, that kind of a conversation. Maybe Tatis should put in that conversation too, but I think Tatis has more power than both these guys. That's a real question to ask yourself because – I don't think chasing stolen bases when there's no premium stolen base talent out there anymore really makes much sense. Let the market come to you. All right, let's go to third base. The most overrated names here, kind of all over the board. It's funny. Some people say Manny Machado. I think it's the inverse. I think Machado is underrated. Some people will say Vladimir Guerrero Jr. That was a name that popped up a lot. And um, I actually think Guerrero comes at a better cost this year than he did last year. So go figure. Uh, Matt Chapman is the one for me. And I like Matt Chapman as a player. He's a good season long player. The problem is he still doesn't hit lefties, 235, 770 OPS uh, on the road too. That's, that's still the problem you want to get to. So that's the problem. That's the issue. When you look at Chapman, you look at the overall numbers, they're there. So season long is good. Head to head formats. I got to be a little curious about him yet. Still Uh shortstop. A lot of people, same thing. Alberto Mondesi. A lot of people don't think that Mondesi can be that guy again. He was hurt last year. Here we go again. The OBP is low. Are we just getting him for stolen bases? What kind of a hitter is he? And there's a real question there. Um, For me, it's Marcus Simeon, and I'm not the only one, too. A couple other people put Simeon in this list, too, and and it's because last year I bought in a lot. I thought Simeon was a great value. This year you have to pay for him. This year you have to basically pay the ADP pretty much of the season he had. And last year could be the outlier. 2019 might be as good as it gets. So even if he comes down 80 you know, 85% of what he was last year. I'm not necessarily sold that that's a good return on investment in the ADP. And that's the issue I'm having here with Simeon. Good player. The question is, what's the price for him? In the outfield, some of those overrated guys, I'll tell you the name that came up the most is Aristides Aquino of the Cincinnati Reds. And that's because the minor league track record was spotty. He comes up and all of a sudden, he lights the world on fire with that power. Great power ballpark. But then as time got on, when he got to September, he hit sub 200 strikeout rate, super high, very concerning. There's a lot of issues here with Aquino that you should be very worried about. People remember the power spike, they remember the good times, but it's kind of like those, you know, those bad relationships. Well, you remember the good times, but you forget all the tension and all the stress. Well, there was a lot of tension and stress there because Aquino got figured out big time and he got exposed big time as time went on, and I just am not sold that he is going to be that guy. So. Be very careful of him, Senzel Winker, because that Reds outfield could be very much in flux this year, so be careful there. A couple other names, Victor Robles pops up. Again, stone base guy. A lot of stone-based guys get a little overrated. Uh Andrew Benatendi, another good one that pops up here too. Concerns with Benatendi, how good of a player is he? Is he a nice player or is he a very good player? I think he's a nice player, and the problem is, Blaze in Boston, gets a lot of publicity coming off a down year. You're not getting the discount. You should be off the down year, which is ironic because most people on the overrated list are coming off huge seasons and we're not necessarily buying in, whether it be the price, whether it be the fact that it's anomaly, all those questions remain. Ben attendee, somebody coming off a down year who is still overrated in a lot of stretches because you look at him and you go, maybe he is more like this player. And I think that's something that people didn't consider enough pitcher. Tyler Glasnow was by far the number one choice here of the group. Uh, We had a couple other people with Woodruff, with Syndergaard, a couple other good names here. But Glasnow has definitely been that guy. It's not that he's not good. It's not that he doesn't have a blazing fastball. It's not that he can't give you everything that you want out of a starting pitcher. The problem is health. The problem is can you get to a guy who historically had a lot of control issues in the minor leagues? He started to do better with that. The question is, can he go out there and give you an entire season of the kind of production that he teased earlier in the year? I'm not sold on it. I would rather take a guy with maybe a little less upside, but a lot more innings history and go that route. I think in redraft leagues, that's something that is the smarter thing to do. And then last but not least, the closers. Uh, A lot of people put a role this Chapman up here. Overrated simply because he's a Yankee. Simply because he's the old faithful. Um, uh, To me, you know who's overrated? Elite closers, period. The notion of elite closers, I think we can kind of take it up, roll in the ball, and throw it away. Because the Mariano Rivera's don't exist anymore. Those guys that are very consistent that you can lock in just really aren't there. There's so much volatility at that position, even at the top now, where I think you have to kind of fade the elite relievers. And even worse, don't overpay for the middle tier because they are the ones that kill you the most when they don't return their ADP. Let closer come to you. Take a shot on a couple guys late. Take a shot on the waiver wire. That's how you want to approach it. So that is the overrated team, or at least some of the names on some of the overrated lists here in the Fantasy Black Book 2020. We're going to hit a break. When we come back, we're going to flip the script a little bit and talk about some of the most underrated players in Major League Baseball and Fantasy in 2020. You're
2: listening to Fantasy Sports Today. We'll be right back right after this.
1: All right. Welcome back, everybody. Fantasy Sports Today. Joe Pizzoppia, Craig Mish, and we are talking about some of the most overrated and underrated players in Major League Baseball. We just talked about the overrated group, and now we're going to talk about the underrated when it comes to fantasy sports 2020 in baseball, what you're looking for in terms of guys that are maybe forgotten guys that are underappreciated players that deserve more publicity, but frankly, they just don't get the love they deserve. And every year in the black book, we like to give those players a little bit of love. So if you already got the black book, you know, this section pretty well, but, uh, this is the group and the names that some of my, uh, my crew have assembled here and my crew being guys like Paul Spore, Chris Meany, Uh, Some of the best out there in baseball coverage, Eric Cross, the Welsh, who will be joining us a little later to talk about Arizona Fall League prospects in the next segment. But basically, these are some of the most underrated names out there. And let's go position by position and talk about some of the most uh, heralded and most talked about of this group in the Black Book 2020. And let's start with Salvador Perez, because frankly, I feel like a lot of people have forgotten about Sal Perez. Yes, he's not the greatest in terms of OBP. Yes, he's kind of just a power hitting catcher. But you know what? This nice little 20 home run catcher pretty much was a guy you could lock in for that amount. You could lock in for a a fair amount of games A catcher and was very durable up until last year. How will he bounce back after a year off? We're not sure. But I think the idea is understanding that Sal Perez up until last year was about as good of a value return at the position as, if you didn't want to pay up for catcher, but you didn't want to be left out in the dark at catcher. And I think that's something to keep in mind. Navarez and Tom Murphy were the other two most popular names on this list with good reason to, because basically Murphy's now going to hit in the middle of that Seattle order. And Navares is now out and he is over in Milwaukee. He landed in a pretty good spot too. So both of those guys basically no longer tied to each other now in a spot where they could both shine on their own. And are in good spots to do so. And they are now the starting catchers in their respective ball clubs. First base, Matt Olson. I know I talked about him a little earlier in the show when Craig and I were going over the over-unders for the teams, and Oakland came up there. But Matt Olson is a 40 home run guy waiting to happen. You know, when you're looking for corner guys, you're looking for power, Matt Olson fits that bill. Matt Olson can give that to you. And let me tell you, he is that kind of a hitter. I think a lot of people don't realize how good he was because he started off last year with an injury. Is he a perfect hitter? No, he's still got some things to work on. Uh The splits still need a little bit of work, but in terms of ROI, he's in a great spot in ADP. Reese Hoskins is another guy too, where people are forgotten. Yeah, I understand he had 226 last year. I get it, but you know what? Let's not forget how good he was two years ago. Let's not forget how many players hit that second year and kind of regress a little bit. Look at Raphael Devers. Perfect example. Came on like a house of fire a couple years ago. Then had a down year in 2018, and everybody was kind of leaving him for dead. Meanwhile, he came back in 2019 and was absolute smoke show for the Boston Red Sox. So let's not forget about Reese Hoskins either, one of the most popular choices with my team on this list. Uh, second base, it's Whit Merrifield. I mean, the guy gets zero credit at all. 200 hits 100 plus runs more than 15 home runs more than 20 steals my goodness what more do you want out of a player what more does Whit Merrifield have to do my goodness you know Whit Merrifield if he played for the Red Sox or the Yankees or or even another high profile team he would get so much more publicity but Lucky for you, lucky for me as a fantasy owner, Whit Merrifield still plays in Kansas City, which means you can still get Whit Merrifield at a very nice price. The guy is great in points, the guy is great in terms because he just fills up the stat sheet, the guy is great in roto leagues, head to head formats of all kinds. Whit Merrifield is just a hitting machine, he has never come back to earth. This is his earth, okay? This is where Whit Merrifield lives, and we live there too. Get him on your team so you guys can move in together. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Kevin Biggio, too, another guy with uh, a big ceiling. We all know that. I don't like to extrapolate, but let's also recognize that this is a 2020 potential player. This is a guy that could easily crack the top 100 in 2020. So, Kevin Biggio, another guy. And Mike Mustakas, another guy who does not get enough credit. Now, he'll be a full-time second baseman, but he still has that nice dual eligibility, and that is huge. Now, third base, I already told you. Vlad Guerrero was one of the most popular choices with my group of writers in terms of most overrated. I think Vlad Guerrero is underrated now. I think last year, last year you were in a spot with Vlad where you say, okay, you know, we think he's going to be a fourth round talent. Okay. He is, but is he going to be a fourth round talent in year one? And that was asking a lot this year. It's more like a sixth round talent. And I think he can deliver and be a fourth round talent. It's all about health. It's all about what kind of uh, shape he comes into into camp. And it looks like it's going in the right direction. Uh, So pay attention to that. Miguel Andahar, another good name too, where people just forget about him. And Max Muncy, another guy just doesn't get enough credit. At shortstop, here we go. Underrated. Jorge Polanco. That's the guy for me. Uh, Jorge Polanco, and I know Welsh agrees with me. In terms of shortstops, he had 107 runs. I mean, he had a, a fantastic Profile in terms of the deeper stats, the fly ball rate, the contact rates, everything's there. Um, I think 20 home runs is is repeatable. I think you're in a good spot there. A lot of other people agree too. I know Alex Chamberlain, who also writes for the Black Book, he Jorge Polanco was his choice. And I agree. A lot of people were concerned about him after the suspension. Guess what? He came back and he was brilliant. And he's been probably the most underrated player on that team. Because everybody else, you know, the sluggers get a lot more of the credit. Even Kepler gets talked about. But Polanco's right in between all those guys. And Polanco's a guy that's going to continue to be very, very good coming into 2020. Uh, Let's go to the outfield real quick too. talk about some of the names on this list. Max Kepler is one of those names. Uh, Max Kepler uh, certainly deserves to be in that discussion. Uh, Max Kepler is a guy that you look at. And certainly the power was there. Hitting at the top of that Twins order was brilliant. I imagine just because of baseball being baseball that the Twins offense comes back to earth just a tad. Cruz is another year older. We all know that Garver's stats are probably unsustainable. It doesn't mean they're not going to be good. It just means they're probably not going to be quite as prolific as they were. It's very hard to repeat prolific seasons. Just go look at the history of the game. And and that's what you need to understand here. Uh, Lourdes Gurriel, another name that came up quite a bit on this list, uh, he had 292 with 20 home runs and five steals after he came back from AAA and basically had a, a very fly ball heavy approach. And that's a good thing because what's happening now with him is you're looking at another piece of that Blue Jays puzzle where everybody's talking about BGO and Vlad and nobody's really talking about Guriel, and they're talking about Bichette too, but nobody's talking about Guriel. and Guriel had a really good run there when he came back. And I think that's something that kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit. And I think when you look at it, you go, okay, Gurriel is one of these players that you can see slipping under the radar for a lot of people. And Gurriel could indeed be one of these guys that, you know, look, again, I don't like to extrapolate, but he was on a pace for a 30, 90, 90 season with 10 steals. Now, (laughs) is he going to do that? Probably not. But if you got... 80, 80, and 20 out of them, or 80, 80, 25 even. Oh, wow, well, you'll take that to the bank all day. And if he stole 10 bags too, awesome. Let's do it. Lourdes Gurriel, one of the most underrated assets for sure. Uh, let's go to the pitchers too. You <clears throat> Darvish, definitely for me, one of the most underrated. And he's kind of earned this because, let's face it, you Darvish has been one of these players that, unfortunately, you've gotten a lot of disappointment over the years with you tarvish a lot of injuries a lot of underperformance last year second half 13 starts 118 strikeouts and seven walks let me say that again 118 strikeouts seven walks so whether it was health mechanics whatever it is i don't expect him to repeat that but just even if he comes close to it that is a rotation ace okay not a number two, that is an ace that you're going to get for number three money on draft day. Frankie Montas, another guy for me I want to put in that conversation. And uh, James Paxton could be in that conversation too in terms of underrated, just because now the Coles there and Severino's back, Paxton has a lot less pressure on him, but Paxton always the same issue. It's if he's healthy, if he can be healthy. Now, relief pitcher might surprise you. The most popular name selected by my Black Book crew was Edwin Diaz. And why? because he's still so damn young because the K rate was still there because yes, he did blow a bunch of saves and yes, that's frustrating. But in New York, that frustration gets magnified because when you blow a big save in New York, everybody talks about it. And it's a big difference between the Seattle media talking about it and the Seattle fan base talking about it. Then the New York media and the New York fan base talking about it. So basically what happened was Edwin Diaz, was you know pretty much what you expect out of a closer, but because he blew some games and blew them in big fashion with the home runs, that became an issue. But has and brought in, there's a little insurance policy to push him a little bit. You got Carl's Beltran, I guess the the whisperer to Edwin Diaz as everybody wants to make him out to be. We'll see if that becomes true, but the cost last year for Edwin Diaz was through the roof. The cost this year is much more reasonable. I don't like paying that cost for premium relievers, but you're getting a premium reliever for a discount. That's something to consider, especially in leagues where you have to start two relief pitchers, because we all know a lot of those leagues you set up, you got the five pitchers and the two RP slots. All of a sudden, Edwin Diaz becomes much more valuable because even in a 12 team league like that, you're already 24 relievers deep just in the guys that are active every week in lineup. So, that's the underrated players. We just did the overrated players. We're going to hit a break and when we come back, my boy Chris Welsh from In This League, from this very network and from the Black Book podcast and from the Black Book 2020 for baseball is going to talk to us about some of those prospects that you need to know that had great Arizona Fall League performances and they could affect your fantasy team in 2020. You're listening to Fantasy Sports Today. We'll be right back right after this. All right, welcome back, everybody. Fantasy Sports Today right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. And it's fantasy baseball prep time. Everyone's trying to get their dynasty leagues together. Everyone's trying to figure out what they're doing for 2020, which prospects are going to make an impact. And there's nobody better to talk about that than my good friend and podcast co-host, He is one of the co-authors of the fantasy Black Book 2020. Not only did he do the head-to-head roto strategy section of the book, but he also did 10 Arizona Fall League prospects that could impact 2020. And I had him write this because he's the guy out there in Arizona who is watching these games, watching these players, scouting them. So we're not just talking about somebody reading stats off a page. We're talking about first-hand value firsthand knowledge and it's christopher welsh from in this league and also you know him from the itl show right here on the network on fntsy welsh how you doing my man
3: so you call me christopher i feel like you're my mother you're supposed to call me the call me the welsh or chris christopher welsh.
1: welsh well in the book you're christopher welsh yeah, so true. or chris welsh or the welsh you know it's very difficult with the first name the i just
3: feel it like really i got is. in it's trouble i just feel like i got in trouble there for a minute because you're like hey christopher uh, oh oh i'm like that's my reaction when i hear christopher but it's okay that is who i am uh, in real life <laughs> R L.
1: <laughs> well, you know, I don't like real life. I prefer fantasy. So yeah. let's let's start with these guys too. And I know one of the big names on everybody's tongue right now when you're talking about prospects, it's Joe Adele. And when he's gonna get up there, how good he's going to be. So obviously he had a pretty good run here. It looks like the guy's got power. The guy's got speed. a Tremendous athlete. It looks like the Angels are ready to at least consider handing over the keys to him earlier rather than later. So, what's your take on Adele in terms of what kind of impact he makes this year in 2020 and how aggressive people should be on him?
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm a I'm a huge fan of this guy. The, I remember scouting him when he got uh, before he got drafted. When he got drafted, he came out here to Arizona, where I am. Played with the Angels for just a little bit, and you know, he's had he's had a rough go with injuries, and and prior to the 2019 season, he was really set to go. He they were having him in major league camp, he was getting some serious run, and then he got hurt, and that set him back. He ended up being able to cross five levels last year, and that was something really important I wanted to talk with him about. He was kind of the pinnacle of my AFL coverage, he was my final interview, and he gave me the the longest run, and people can find it on my prospect show, prospect one. And I talked about, you know, the the injuries and how it set him back because his numbers didn't exactly pop out to everybody. And that's exactly what he said. He was like, I missed, you know, I, I missed really important production early on that set him back. So he had a small run to move three levels. Then he went to the AFL. Then... The guy went and played for Team USA. So you had this guy who got hurt, missed time, was pushed, and it was really his first full season to put this all together. He did all of this while still hitting two seventy-three in the AFL. He had three stolen bases. He's a big power hitter. He's the only guy also that didn't give me the standard, like, you know, when I talked to him about how do you hit for power, you know, everyone's like, well, you know, I'm a contact doubles hitter, and sometimes it turns into power. He scoffed at that. He's like, nah, he's like, I think that's a cop-out answer. He's like, I know exactly how I'm going in and I'm approaching my power, and I can pull it both ways because I've got that raw power. So this is a dude that I think the Angels bring in soon. I think when he's good to go, he's a 30-plus home run guy. I don't know where the stolen bases will be. He didn't seem too, too crazy, like he wants to steal a whole bunch, so maybe it's a 30-10 and But this is a huge impact player. And long term, I like him more than a Luis Robert uh, from a hitting standpoint. But Luis Robert's one of those dudes that provides, you know, stolen bases as well.
1: Well, that was my next question is when you're comparing them because Robert's gonna start the year with the team, yeah, but at the same time, you know, Adele looks like he might be I keep trying to people keep asking me, and I said, Well, I think you're gonna get more stats from Robert, but I think you're gonna get a higher quality from Adele. Do you think that's an accurate way of putting it?
3: Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Like you gotta take Robert ahead for two reasons. A, you know he's starting the season with the team, and B. His st- the stolen bases are just, they're different ballgame. Like I said, Adele, I was trying to press him also about, like, you know, do you want to steal more? His body's gotten bigger. Like, he literally put on, the muscle I saw him put on from the end of 17 to when I saw him in spring training in 19 was night and day. Like, the dude has just physically gotten bigger. But you nailed it, like, the quality. Adele's a guy that I think can avoid major slumps. I think he can hit 270, 280 in his first year, hit a bunch of homers, be a middle-of-the-order guy, and steal a handful of bases. Robert, though... Is one of those like 2020 potentials, but I think he's super streaky as far as what the batting average goes. And I wouldn't be shocked if he's a 250, you know, I don't know, 22, 16, you know, homer stolen base type of guy this year. So you just got to take him because there's assurances with Robert. Where we don't have all the question, we don't have all the answers with Joe Adele. There's a few more questions, but prospect long term, it's Adele.
1: All right, let's move on to one of the bigger pitching names too that we're. You know, last year, I think a lot of people had some uh, questions about Forrest Whitley. A lot of people were high on him. Unfortunately, it didn't quite work out. Uh, this year in the AFL, he had a 288 ERA, won three games, and struck out 32 guys in 25 innings. That's what's eye popping to me. So, uh, with the loss of Garrett Cole, obviously no one's filling those shoes. They have Granky at the top of this rotation along with Verlander, but can Whitley finally? Step into this Astros rotation and while everybody else is talking about McCullers, maybe people forgot about Whitley. Is this guy poised now to be kind of the pitching version of the guy in 2020 to break through?
3: Yeah, I mean, Houston could use some good news right now, too. They could use some <laughs> distraction. They could be like, hey, look. Houston, Houston
1: needs some young players to hit because they ain't gonna have some good young players for a long time.
3: Hey, look, here's this pitcher. He wasn't involved in any scandals. He's really fun. He's exciting. Um, yeah. So here's the deal Whitley has got some of the best stuff I've ever seen in person. Uh, from a, a more matured pitching standpoint, he's some of the best. In the 2018 Arizona Fall League, it was ridiculous watching him hitting high 90s, killing people with the slider. I talked to Bobby Dahlbeck, who's a Red Sox prospect that year, about Whitley, and he was just like, "It's not fair. It's stupid." But Whitley has problems follow him. I mean, in the year before this, he got suspended for 50 games. The the rumor was Adderall, uh, and then that set him back on innings. Then this past year. He had more injuries and had a horrid, horrid year as well. And he talked about in the years in a fall league that when he got to the AFL, he discovered the thing that set him off. And it was he was dipping his shoulder down and he corrected that. So, you know, you win a season of not recognizing that and having like an ARA, and then you come to the fall league and you fix that issue and you really dominate again. I think there's just some stability questions with him. You know, he not getting full seasons in. He when he's off, he's way off, and he's still walking guys. But he's got some of the best pure raw stuff. So you would hope that the Astros can fix that. I just don't know if he comes up early because of the missed innings, and uh, I don't know how much Houston wants to press him. But I don't really fully believe in the Josh Jameses and the Yurgides and all that type of stuff. So I think he's a productive guy this year. I just don't think it's the beginning of the year. And once the Astros get their hands on him, uh, cheat aside type of conversation, I think he's going to be a stud. So you want to draft him this year. I want to get my shares.
2: All right.
1: now A lot of people like the power of Alec Baum, uh, who is a third base prospect for the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, Kinger is going to be starting the year there, but Kingery does have the flexibility to move around the diamond. That is a positive for him. It's also a positive potentially for Baum, because if he keeps dropping bombs, there's a good chance we're going to see him sooner than later. Is this a guy you think makes a 2020 impact? And would you say uh, a player that you would end up rostering and drafting or a player you would rather add? Sometime in May, if he's really having a really good start to the year in the minor leagues.
3: I think if it's big enough and you've got depth enough, he's a guy you 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 should probably draft. But you know, if you've got the ability to pick up later, do that, you just have to kind of decipher from your team. Like Baum is a raw skill guy. Uh, he's not a big analytical guy. He was another he was one of those guys I spoke with and did an interview with and you can hear the podcast. And he's kind of a low real low-key, small, soft spoken type of a guy, not a big personality. Uh, but huge raw power, but he's got some swing and miss to his game. I think he's is um, kind of an I don't know, kind of a Reese Hoskins type of guy. I actually wonder because he played some first base when he was out here. I wonder. If to get his bat, especially if it gets hot in the lineup early, if this team would be willing to adjust that lineup to go and put a Bryce Harper in center and then get Hoskins back in the outfield, so Baum could come and play first base. So that's the type of flexibility he provides. So that's why. What does that do to McCutcheon
1: invest. then, potentially? How'll well, that work with McCutcheon? Then?
3: Well, in theory, like McCutcheon could let's say go play right, Harper in center, and then Reese goes mm-hmm. into left. And then, you know, so right. they're all still out there. Adam is not keeping any of them from having a job. <laughs> you know what I mean? So then no, no, Baum it. could be a first baseman. Like he, he plays played serviceable first base and that would allow them to keep King in. so it's just, it's flexibility, but that's why, you know, if you want a power potential guy, get in on Alec Baum. I just don't know. I just don't know what expectations people have on him. Like he's not the next Pete Alonso, If that's what people are expecting, looking for the AFL power hitter, it's not bomb.
1: No. And, and uh, let me also tell you too, if you love prospects, make sure you check out Welsh's podcast prospect one, where he does all these breakdowns of all the prospects. So if you're a hardcore dynasty baseball person, you must be subscribing to this show. And it's fantasy centric. It's fantasy centric. So and, you know, and that's what we like because, you know, a lot of the baseball Americas of the world, they're breaking down the prospects for real baseball, but we want them for fantasy. That's yeah. what it's all about. All right. Now, sometimes bad teams can yield some good young players. And Jared Oliva looks like he could be one of these guys, outfielder for the Pirates. Maybe Marte is moved on. And if so, that could potentially open up a spot. For Oliver. Now, do you believe this is another guy that could make a 2020 impact when you look at uh, the power speed combination of a guy like this, too? Stole, I know, 11 bases and 98 at bats over there in the AFL and hit 312. So that certainly is a nice uh,
3: little chunk there, a nice little sample size. Do you think this is a guy that's going to translate to major league pitching? I tend to think so. He was one of the biggest pop up guys. He's so impressive. Talking with him. He is super smart. He's locked in. He didn't hit for a lot of power in the minors, but I'm telling you, I watched him in BP, and I joked with him about it. I was, it was just astonishing. Like the guy has really big, pure raw power. He just needs to tap more into it from the major league level, and he also is an incredibly smart uh, base stealer. So he hits for uh, contact. He can steal a bunch. There's power to be had. He plays good defense. I mean, he's everything. Everything that you would want at the major league level. I just think the Pirates might try to see what they've got in some of the guys that are already locked in. You know, they signed Heredia, Guillermo Heredia. They've got Socrates Burrito. They might try to play around a little bit. Uh, maybe even an O'Neill Cruz could be back in the outfield. But I think Olive is the type of guy they try to get in early, kind of like a Brian Reynolds type. And uh, I think he can produce. So I think it's a second half. And when he gets the call up, he's a guy that you want to have.
1: All right, now we always are looking for more pitching, too. I know we talked about Whitley. Is there another guy... That you saw an AFL or, or even just another guy that you think this year is ready to make that that jump to be like the Curse Paddock was last year, and guys that can really make significant fantasy contributions in rotations in 2020. Who who are some of those names that you think are ready to make that jump? Because I know every year we're hoping for some, and a lot of times it's a letdown. Who do you think is actually ready for that task?
3: Yeah, I mean, that, that is a tough one. Like people want to speculate on McKinsey Gore right now. I think from the AL, Spencer Howard is one of those. just Lazardo is an obvious one. Uh, I think Spencer Howard is one of those guys he was really good great offerings really good command with the phillies nate pearson with the blue jays could get that opportunity this year i think that would be someone i would be looking to get some production and uh maybe even casey mize i think the team could push casey mize those are some of the obvious ones you could look at you could dig deeper but like a daniel lynch with the royals but i think those names that i gave you spencer howard might be the biggest one off list for people uh, that can give some production this year
1: now i know you're mr prospect and mr Dynasty, so. Everybody knows the Adels, everybody knows the Royce Lewis's and then the Roberts and all these guys. Who's a guy outside of this grouping that you're uh, very excited about potentially having that you think maybe isn't quite talked about enough that could be a top 10 prospect that's not really talked about as much as some of these other guys?
3: Now, are you saying from the AFL or are you talking no,
1: just generally now all over the place? Because before we go, I just want to get one other name for me and see who that could be
3: for 2020 production.
1: Yeah, for two, uh, yeah for 2020, or even or even long term. Like, who's your guy? You know, there's a guy. There's a guy. There's a guy. I'm who's looking guy? at
3: the guy right now. It's Alex Kirilov. Alex Kirilov is one of my guys, and uh, he's a bit outside the top ten. He's fallen out of favor for a lot of people. He had a wrist injury last year. He only hit 283. Power went down from 20 to nine from 18 to 19, and some people have some questions on it. So I don't. And Kirilov played first base last year. So he's been a primarily outfielder. He was getting some first base in, which I think is a move for the Twins to try to get him in. He's a super smart hitter. He's another guy I got to interview last year. His dad is a hitting coach. He understands hitting better than anybody. And before last year where he only hit 283 he'd hit 300 at every single level so 283 at double a with this smart of a guy who also had a wrist injury I mean watch out and I interviewed Royce Lewis and uh, I'm just dropping I interviewed I interviewed left and right but uh, he hey, talked up Alex Kirilov he talked up Kirilov big time so that's a guy I think can produce this year that's off radars
1: All right, there you go. You can follow him on Twitter at IsItTheWelsh. Check out all his stuff in the new Black Book as well as in this league here on the network, on the podcast, on the Black Book podcast, and of course, Prospect One podcast. Welsh, thanks for the time. We're getting a break. More fantasy sports today, right after this.
0: And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. As always, Craig and Joe ending with this show with the two-minute drill.
3: The two-minute warning. Two minutes, get your sh- together.
0: Is that going to be enough time? Well, as we leave you here on this Tuesday, going to leave you with a couple of final thoughts. Uh, I know a lot of people want the heads and the guillotine of everybody in the Houston Astros organization and I think that if, if I was a player and I can't certainly speak to that but if I was a player I would feel terrible about this too it is the equivalent of players in the steroid era taking steroids and you're a player in baseball and you did not and you got paid less and you won less and you had worse stats I get all of that but we are a country of forgiveness folks and worse things have happened Will the 2017 Astros World Series always be tainted? Will we always discuss the fact that perhaps they cheated their way to a World Series? Of course, that's always going to be in the conversation. But I would always also say this. I've gotten a chance through the years to know A.J. Hinch. Gotten a chance to know Jeff Luno through the years as well. And if you want to punish him and even punish him for longer than a year or two, fine. But I do think everybody deserves a second chance. Whatever the case is, give these guys an opportunity two, three, five years down the line, whatever, whatever. Uh, Lifetime bans of of people in this particular situation, I think, is unwarranted. And even though I'm taking the other side of this today, maybe it's because of personal relationships, which has certainly biased me in this conversation. But I do and I am in favor of after apologies, giving people a second chance to prove that they made a mistake. That'll do it for the show. Thanks again to Sean for producing the program. And thanks to my co-host Joe Pizapia. Also thanks to Wells for popping in and doing some segments with us on the show today. We got Dr. Odo coming up next with full-time fantasy. Joe Pizapia, I'm Craig Mish. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Sports Today. Have a great rest of the day, everybody. See ya.